supposed to work, is in the context of godly submission in our love for Jesus. So in the previous chapter, in chapter 5, Paul talked about how as Christians we're to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And then as we live under the influence of the Spirit, he changes and shapes our relationships, not only in the church, but also in our homes. He's showing us that in our new identity in Christ, there is a new way, a new way of relating to one another in love and in God's order. So for some of us, our past experiences of family life may have been difficult, and for some of us, there are some deep difficulties that we are going through right now. We are all in different seasons in our lives, but I want you to know that God wants to speak to all of us today. For some of us here today, you may be about to become a parent, or maybe a new parent, and some of us are figuring out how to relate to our parents, both as adults and as young people. Through this passage we'll look at today, I believe that God has encouragement for all of us. So let's pray. Now, Lord, will you uh, open our hearts this morning to, to hear your word and to receive your word to us this morning? Will you uh, bring us clarity and peace and understanding? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, before we get into the passage, I thought it would be helpful for me to uh, tell you a bit about myself. Um, I'm married to, to Daniel, and we've just uh, celebrated our seventh anniversary. There should be a picture coming up soon. And this is a picture of our family. Maybe? Is it up there? No? Okay. Maybe it's coming. But I was, um, I was brought up in a single family with my mom in London. And for those of you who remember my last preach and when I spoke, I spoke about the fact that I was recently reconciled with my father after many, many years. So our earthly parents may not have been perfect. There we go. Um, our earthly parents may not have been perfect. And we are not perfect. But God is the perfect parent. And Jesus is the perfect son. And God wants to show us his heart for the family. So this preach, it isn't about giving us self-improvement tips. It's about understanding what God is calling us to be as parents and children in Christ. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn with me to Ephesians 6 and 1 to 4. And if you don't, the scripture is up on the screen. And this is our key scripture for this morning. It says this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Oh, this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your, mother, your father and your mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. There are two key points that I want to look at this morning over the next 20 minutes or so. The first one is uh, the responsibilities of children. And the second is the responsibilities of parents. And then we'll have an opportunity to respond. So my first point, the responsibilities of children. Now, the idea of obedience and submission seem really kind of unfashionable in a world today that is saying to us, you know, you could do what you want, be what you want, go where you want. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. But God's way is completely opposite from the world, and it is designed to nurture and protect us. So when Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Firstly, I think it's important to understand who Paul is actually speaking to at this point. The word children here, it refers to those who are, are of an age 
that will appreciate and understand what Paul is saying right here. It's not, he's not talking to infants, he's not talking to babies, because we know that infants and babies are not going to get these concepts. So Paul is exhorting dependent children to submit to their parents' authority, and crucially, that is their obedience, that, that, excuse me, and crucially, their obedience to their parents is how they also serve God. Obeying isn't always easy, we know this, but it brings us closer to God. Obeying means respectfully listening and following parents' instructions and communicating with them in a healthy way. It means working within their boundaries that they set and understanding that they are meant to protect us. And, and just like a shepherd puts boundaries to their sheep to protect them and steer them in the right direction, God has placed parents in authority to put protective boundaries in place and to steer children in the right godly direction. So as they understand, so that they understand right from wrong. So as parents submit to God, God intends for parents to be shaping and equipping children to, to a place where they can grow healthily and live out their own lives for Jesus. So young or adolescent children who are dependent on their parents, obedience is required from them. But as children become adults, the nature of healthy parent-child relationship changes. So by this stage, parents are to support their adult children in their own godly decision-making rather than requiring obedience from them. So after saying that children must obey their parents, Paul then quotes from the Ten Commandments. And he says this in Ephesians 2, 6, 2-3. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. So honouring our parents is about a humble, a heart attitude toward them. It's about valuing them and respecting them in thoughts, words and actions. And as young people, it's about willingly submitting to their authority. When we obey in action, but we disrespect our, our, disrespect our parents in our hearts, we actually dishonor our parents. So honoring our parents also refers to the weight of significance to them that we give to them and how we defer to their wisdom. And it also means treating them with kindness, with gentleness, dignity, and esteem. This particular section on honour applies to all of us as young or adult children. So, so when someone meets my mum and they ask her, you know, do you have any children? She'll say, yes, I have a daughter, Alison. I am her adult child. So I obeyed her as a young child and she lovingly disciplined me, required obedience of me. However, as I became an adult, I left home and I got married the way I yielded to her changed. However, I never stopped being my mum's child, and I never stopped honouring her. As a wife, I submit to my husband, Daniel, but I also humbly honour my mum. I listen to her wisdom. I respect her input. And even though, as an adult, I am not dependent on her anymore, I still honour her. I still listen to her. You see, a child that learns to willingly obey their children also honours them as a child and into adulthood. And also it prepares them for the way that they obey and honour God. And as the scripture said, God promises that when we honour our parents, things will go well with us and we will have long life on the earth. And this is a principle saying that how we handle our parents affects how we prosper on the earth. 
God blesses us where there is that kind of humility, honor, and respect. So in Christ, we must examine our heart attitude towards our parents. In Jesus, you know, we have an example of obedience. He obeyed his heavenly father, but he also obeyed his earthly parents. In the book of Luke, we're told of an incident that took place when Jesus was just 12 years old. And it is the only passage of scripture about him between when he was a baby to when he started his ministry as an adult. God included this story to tell us something. So we're going to have a look at Luke 2, 41 to 52. So every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was just among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started to look for him among their relatives. Where is he? And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Like, son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Jesus responded, but but why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, there are so many takeaways from this particular passage. But firstly, just like many of you here today, the young people who are here today this morning, Jesus was keen to be in church in the presence of God as a 12-year-old. He wanted to learn and grow spiritually. Secondly, we see his humanity and innocence as a 12-year-old when he went off for three days. And it didn't occur to him that his parents would be worried. He didn't sin. He was just like he didn't realize But this is a pivotal point in his earthly life. See, Jesus understood at that point about obedience, that he had to submit to what his earthly parents wanted. See, Jesus learning obedience as a child was the foundation of him going through the things that he suffered in obedience as an adult. And this is one of the reasons why it is important for us us to obey our parents, because it can affect how we relate with God in obedience. So we're told that Jesus willingly returned with them. He wasn't kicking and he wasn't screaming. He submitted himself to them. And then because of his submission, we're told that he grew in four key important ways. Is a slide there? There should be a slide coming up. If not, just listen to me. Um, Luke 2.52, it says this. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew, that means he grew mentally. He grew in stature, so he grew physically in health and body. And he grew in favor with God, so he grew spiritually. And he grew in favor with man, so he grew socially. He knew how to relate with people. So just like Jesus developed in his childhood through to adulthood, God wants us to grow in the same way. 
But we know that we are in a fallen world. So often, like, you know, it doesn't, our lives don't reflect this. It doesn't reflect relationships as God intended. Sadly, there are times when parents abuse their parental authority, and it can be difficult for children to know what to do when that happens. But what you can do is find an adult that you can trust, who can walk you through the difficulties you might be facing to support you in becoming the person that God, in his love, has created you to be. But what is clear that as how parents treat their children, what is clear that is that how parents treat their children is meant to flow from a right relationship with God. So after Paul outlines the responsibilities of children, he speaks then directly to parents about their own responsibilities. So then we come to the responsibilities of parents. Now, a key concept for us to grasp is that the goal of parenting isn't about making children behave themselves. It's about nurturing children into maturity in Christ. God's heart for us as parents reflects his parenting of us, nurturing us and loving us and providing the right boundaries for us to grow so that we can fulfill our potential in him. So as God exhorts our children to obey their parents, in turn, parents are to raise their children with sacrificial love, care, discipline, and respect. See, God has carefully shaped our children with particular strengths, personalities, and gifts. And the parental mandate is to steer and nurture and facilitate their growth into Christ-likeness. So it's in this context that Paul gives the following directions to parents. He says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Other translations of this passage say, um, of this verse say, do not make your children resentful. Do not exasperate your children. In the book of, of Colossians, Paul repeats this and says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Therefore, parents are to create a healthy environment for their children to obey and to honor them. And there is significance in Paul speaking to fathers here. So basically, how we see our earthly fathers can affect the way we see God as our heavenly father, and also how we see ourselves. So something about how, our, how earthly fathers outwork their fatherhood in a way that glorifies God as the father. Paul is showing the Ephesians and all of us the new way in Christ, and even though he speaks to fathers here, mothers apply the instructions too. Those of us who are parents can testify that there is a delicate balance to disciplining with patience without creating animosity and discouragement for our children. We really need God's wisdom. And what is also clear from the scripture is that there are things that we can actually do that cause resentment, discouragement for young people and for, young, and for adult children as well. And to help us to get a sense of this, I've come up with a few examples. It should be coming up on the screen in a minute. The first thing that we might do that might, you know, provoke children and adult children too is undermining them or treating children harshly. Favoritism between siblings, being negative or unsupportive, controlling or abusive behavior, and not listening to our children and not spending quality time with them. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just to help us have a think. 
Another key aspect to parenting is showing our children respect as they mature into adulthood. You see, parenting never stops, it just changes. And that is healthy. Now, my mom is my parent, and as I have grown older, her parenting has changed. When parents don't adapt as their children mature, the environment, they, they create an environment that can become unhealthy, and this can provoke children. So instead of provoking them to anger, resentment, and discouragement, we're to treat our children fairly with love and care and bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You see, the term bringing up, it means rearing them up to maturity through the process of cherishing them, nourishing them, and providing appropriate boundaries. And the concept of instruction here is about steering them in the way they think so they can make good decisions. It also means about providing good godly correction and encouragement. Another scripture that can help us just to understand what this looks like is Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But the Hebrew word for train here has so much meaning for us to, just to help us to grasp what God is calling us to be as parents. It speaks of initiating an appetite for godliness and showing the ch our children the reality of God that will carry out into their adulthood. Here at Jubilee, we have really great kids' work, and I can really testify to that. But the key responsibility for our children's spiritual input and role modeling, role modeling it lies with parents. But none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived at perfection. We're still a work in progress. And as we grow in knowing and applying God's truth in our lives, our children will see the reality of our relationship with God. And Deuteronomy 6, 7 helps us to think about how we're to share God with our children in our day-to-day -day lives. It says, Repeat that, repeat them again and again to your children. So that's repeating God's ways to our children again and again. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. So even though life is busy, God shows us how we can use the everyday routines that we have to share about him. You see, children, they, they watch us. They pick up on things, you know how they are. They pick up on our attitudes, our lifestyles, and how we relate to God. So this presents us with, with questions and challenges to reflect on. Now, how are our children seeing us outworking our faith at home? What do they see and understand about our own relationships with God? How do we talk to them about God in the everyday, the big and the small? Now, it might be overwhelming to hear about all these responsibilities, these parental responsibilities, but what is so important is that we understand that we don't parent in our own strength. We all will make mistakes, that's a given. We are human. And there'll be times when our children's behavior may challenge our patience or make us feel like we have failed. But instead of condemning ourselves, we parent from a position in Christ. We position, we position ourselves in Christ and, and as spirit-filled children of the living God as people in relationship with him. That is how we're to parent. When Jesus said that apart from him, we can do nothing, it applies to parent-child relationships too. Our identity in Christ means God's word and spirit shapes us, so we in turn can shape our children. We cannot do it on our own. 
and as children of God, all of us together, his church, we're God's family. He has fitted us together to grow into his holy temple, so we don't do life in isolation. See, God raises up spiritual parents to journey with us to help us all grow into maturity, and I believe God is calling many of us into that role. These are Christians who are more spiritually mature than us, then we can learn from their wisdom. And I personally have benefited from these types of relationships as I've grown as a Christian. And the Apostle Paul, who is our prime example of a spiritual parent, as he counted himself as a spiritual father to Timothy, as he grew in the faith. It's these relationships that support us in growing more Christ-like. And as God's family, we're, to, we're called to encourage one another and bear one another's burdens, because God knows that we will face challenges. So to enable us to grow together in community as part of the local church, we have our small group structure here called growth groups. And that's for us to be able to develop godly friendships so we can grow and develop and encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 reflects it like this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So here we're encouraged to stand firm in our faith and encourage each other, especially in challenging times. Sometimes we might not want to go to church because we're experiencing some challenges in our lives, but God says we should never give up meeting together so that we can strengthen one another. So, finally, all of our relationships are to be enabled and rooted in our relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ. It is in our identity as children of God that we submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives, including family life. See, God is our Father who we can follow and we can trust. And he won't leave us and he will not forsake us. He won't reject us. And as we grow in relationship with him as our father, we learn and grow in obedience in relationships with others. I just wonder if the band can come up and the ministry team is available if they can make themselves ready. So for some of us, our past or current experiences of parenting, either as a child or as a parent, it stirs up some difficult emotions, whether it's confusion, pain, guilt, sadness, disappointment, or rejection. And we sometimes try and push through these feelings or even push them down. But God wants to do a deep healing work that only he can do. He is our loving father. He wants to bring healing and wholeness through relationship with him. He says this to us. He says, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He says in Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So as I've been speaking this morning, God may be highlighting areas in your life that he wants to bring healing, strength and restoration to as you've listened today, perhaps you know that your relationship with God isn't what you want it to be. 
Or maybe you grew up being hurt by your parents, even into adulthood. And I believe that God wants to do a healing work as we forgive. Maybe you know that you have not obeyed and honored your parents as you should. God is here to forgive and to restore. And maybe you are struggling just generally with the challenges of parent-child relationships. God's grace is completely sufficient. So if you relate to what I have just said, as we respond in worship, the ministry team will be around to pray with you and stand with you. Amen. Let's stand together. That's so key for us as we've heard that God wants to help equip us whether we're, we're all children and some of us are parents or carers, foster parents. We need God's grace and help for healing. But also there's something this morning as Alison spoken about empowering. There's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. And uh, many of us are parents here. And even before we go and get our children in 15 minutes, we need the Holy Spirit just again to empower us, to help us as we parents. So we're going to worship God together. And uh, I'm sure there's many of us that would just like to receive prayer for the Holy Spirit. As uh, Alison said, for forgiveness, for healing. There's all many, many things we can respond to today. But our ministry team are here at the front. So that's worship God. And as we worship God, if you'd like to receive prayer, then please come forward. Yeah, I just feel God's put my heart just come forward and to encourage some people here this morning. I was brought up in a family of seven children and my father was quite abusive to me. Um, and later on when I became a Christian, it was the first few years I found it really, really difficult to call God Father and even to relate to him as a father. And... Um, a few years later, I was leading in the church. I was um, doing Alpha courses and I was ministering to people. But in my own heart, I knew my relationship with God was not a relation as a father. Um, and the reason being was because I could call God Father, but I couldn't show him any emotion or any love because it was all up here and not in here. And I realized, and God spoke to me one day through many different ways. And, you know, it, it made me realize that I was equating my relationship with God to what I'd experienced with my earthly father. And once I started to surrender to God, I began to be released. The freedom that came with it was absolutely unbelievable. Just before my father died, I was able to forgive him, ask God to forgive him. He asked for my forgiveness. And just now, I mean, I love God. I love God as a father. I, I just love everything about him. So can I just encourage you, if you're feeling the same, if God's in here and not in here, please don't leave today. Just come forward for prayer. Thank you, Jackie, for sharing. That's so powerful.